Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Jason Munz is a Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. He is on X at Munzley. He joins me now via the phone line. Jason, what's happening? How are you? Oh, I'm good, Gabe. Got back into... Uh town uh, a little bit before noon today so um well early flight it was a good what, what, what time was the flight so the flight from from memphis to philly uh on game day on thursday i like to i like to live dangerously Gabe. Okay. uh i'm a gambler um uh 6 a.m flight out of Memphis on game day for a seven o'clock Eastern tip. Uh, so that's a three forty-five wake-up call uh, on game day, and then a seven fifteen Eastern, so six fifteen Central uh, flight back uh, today. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not going to say that like I. I don't sleep in really. Yeah, ever, you're a morning but... person, Jason Munz. Morning person, sort notable of, morning sort person. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. Well, okay. I didn't know that, but <laughs> um, but uh, but three. Yeah, like four a.m. is is a little bit much, but that's okay. We're uh, we powered through. It was a good trip. I got to uh, I got to see where like there were signs where Benjamin Franklin. Like there's like an alley that he walked apparently to and from his house every day, um, and they've they've got like a sign that marked it. And I, I, I happened to walk past there. I've never had a cheesesteak before until this trip. First trip to Philly, I got to the point where I was like, I could have a cheesesteak in Atlanta, but why? Why would I do that? I'm I'm gonna wait until I go to Philadelphia to actually get a cheesesteak, and I did. Um, I stayed away from, you know, the ones that everybody knows, the, uh, the Pats and the Genos and the Jims and the Sunnies and the, uh, whoever else is right. a place called Oh Brother. And it was, uh, it was, it was mighty fine. Re- reviews, say. solid reviews, good reviews. 
Really good reviews um, for me. I mean, I actually I didn't go with like the traditional cheesesteak. I got a one on it with uh, with onions, peppers, and mushrooms, and I'm glad I did, man. It was delicious. They would tell you that's not a legit cheesesteak, though, right? I know a lot. Yeah. I know, I know. But you know what? I was actually talking to my Uber driver last night, and he was like, "Some people say that traditional is ketchup and cheese whiz." I, that's more which, of a chopped cheese, though, isn't it? If you throw ketchup on there, I know. But he said that, like you know, the working class, okay, you know, person back in way back in the day would would do ketchup and cheese whiz, and uh, or American cheese, I guess. But I'm not like I don't like strong cheeses, so I I, I did provolone, yeah, um, and uh, and I, yeah, it was it was very good, even if it was non traditional. Um, the same Uber Uber driver told me he goes there are some places he goes you got to be careful there are some places where you go and if you try to get something non traditional they'll kick you out they'll soup Nazi you oh yeah if you uh, if you if you you know stray from the tradition but it's it's like it's luckily, like a New York bagel shop you got to be careful yeah they'll, they'll get they'll yeah. get after your ass if you if you uh, try to order something different non traditional now yeah. I will say this I've always I nev- I've never understood. The cheesesteak snob sort of thought process. In the end of the day, and I'm, I, people may you know hammer me for this, but it is what it is. I don't I don't understand it because it's it's chopped steak with cheese on it, and then a hoagie roll or whatever roll you put it on. It's not that it should not be. We don't need to be snobs about it. It's like hot dogs. Like people from Chicago saying you can only put right. mustard on hot. No reason to be a damn snob about those types of foods. The one thing that I don't understand is how because I was actually talking to my wife about this earlier today. You know, yeah. Like New York has pizza, New Orleans has seafood. You know, there's these places. Memphis has barbecue. How did Cincinnati get chili? And uh, and number one and number two. And why is it so disgusting? Even, That's my second question. Why well, is there? Why is oh, their chili is vile. It's gross. It yeah, is. It well, is one like, of the worst food items I can imagine eating. Well, it's it's not even like. New York, Chicago, or Philly, where you've got on every street, you've got half a dozen different local mom and pop places selling chili. It's like a franchise. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, to me, that's just weird, but uh, I don't mean for Cincinnati to be catching strays uh, here on the show today. But, um, but no, it was, a, it was a good trip. I went to uh, Repo Records and uh, enjoyed every second of it. I decided to stay away from the stuff that I knew, and I got two, uh, two vinyl um, albums of, like, local Philly bands. Um, literally didn't know anything about either one of them. Uh, just kind of like the names. And uh, <laughs> and they, each one had a sticker on the front that was handwritten and, and like, sort of described the genre. Um, one of them was Philly Shoegaze. And I'm, I, I like Shoegaze okay. music. And, and uh, the other one was... Philly country punk, and I can't, can't think of much of anything better than that. So yeah, I went with it. Yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to sound, but that's that's between you and yourself. How you do what yeah. your review is of that. Now let's get into the game. Tigers won eighty four to seventy seven. Now the the conversations are around Jaden Hardaway free throws, Jonathan Pierre, Penny's rotations in general. Although I think he sort of shortened them down and he played just he played eight guys a majority of the game. Um, but what did right. you what did you think? What did you think of last night? What did you think of the performance? Obviously, they got up by twenty again and sort of let Temple get back in the game. 
Um, but but ultimately, well, what did you make of that performance? I mean, I guess apart from the free throws, because, I mean, you know, that sort of thing's going to happen every once in a while. You're going to have tough nights um, in, in one aspect of the game or another. And it just so happened that last night was free throws for Memphis. They finished 16 of 31 for the game, 11 of 25 in the second half. Gabe, they missed six free throw attempts in like a 50-second span yep. starting with the with one minute and 11 seconds left on the clock. They missed six. Uh, that's if, – if they even have an average, you know, like what, what they normally do at the free throw line, they win by double digits. Right. Clearly. Um, you know, I mean, and it, but even then it's still probably closer than it should be. Um, but, but, you know, apart from that, uh, I mean, I guess my biggest takeaway is sort of a big picture thing. It's like I'm starting to wonder if any game is ever going to be easy this season. Sure, right. sure, they blew out Virginia, and sure, they beat Missouri by 15. But even that, they were down big in the first half. Um, you know, I just – I don't know. I mean, of course – Wichita, they win by 26. They put up 112. Well, at halftime, I think they were either winning by one point or losing by one point. So, like, I'm just starting to wonder if any game is ever going to be easy for this team. Uh, personally, I think it's. I think they're going to get there. I do. I, I think that there's going to come a day, <laughs> and maybe this is the, the sleep deprivation, but I feel like there's going to come a day where it just clicks. Mm-hmm. Light bulb comes on for everybody, and it and it just starts to click, and it does so consistently, day in and day out, for more than this stretch or that stretch. Um, but I, yeah, to answer the question, that was probably my biggest takeaway from the game. Well, Besides Jonathan Pierre's performance, right? Well, the light bulb's got to come on and stay on. That's the issue they've had, right? Yeah. I mean, this is two 20-point leads they've had against some of the worst teams in the conference. Maybe South Florida's not the worst. They've been actually pretty solid once they've gotten into the conference, but they're not a good team ultimately. And Temple, they've had these 20-point leads, and they just sort of sit and seemingly get complacent, I guess, is is the best way I can put it. It, But that that, that light bulb has to come on and stay on. They just have not been able to sustain that level of intensity that gets them those leads, and that's, that's a frustrating reality. Well, I didn't obviously. I, I couldn't watch the uh, television broadcast, but I heard that that was one of the things that Kevin Brown and John Crispin kind of were harping on Memphis about was just the, the general lack of fire. Um, and because you're talking about intensity and urgency and full forty minutes and that sort of stuff, and I just I think at this point that's who they are. Yeah. Um, they 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 don't really play with a a ton of urgency outside of this spurt and that spurt, the end of the Wichita State game. Nick Jordan talked about this after the game last night. He was like, he was like, we know what we have to do. And it's pretty much exactly what you just said. The light bulb's got to come on and stay on. I mean, he, he kind of said it differently. He was like, we, we know we have to play a full, full, we have to put a full 40 minute game together. We can't just, you know, be down 15 with eight minutes to go. And then it comes on or we can't, we can't. There was a nine-minute stretch in the first half where they uh, outscored Temple thirty-one to seven. Yep. You know, like they're 
plenty capable of dominating the opposition, especially if it's not a good team. Um, but even if it is a good team, look at what Virginia's doing and look at what Memphis did to them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. That That's, that's what it's – that's the next sort of hurdle. That's the yeah. next mission for Memphis is to – uh, is to just sort of quit this up and down stuff that they've got yep. going on and 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 level out. That's that's going to be uh, the next thing for them. What do you think about the Jaden Hardaway conversation? We know he had two big spurts in the game where uh, you know Temple got back in the game when he was in. He had a rough game last night. I I, I don't want to deny that. I think a lot of people have been uh, sort of discussing him and and what he has has lacked on the floor this year. I think. Uh, previous to this year, he was honestly a, a a decent presence. He'd knock down a three ball. He'd play good defense uh, on ball, uh, and he wouldn't take any shots that were outside of the offense. He's not a he's not a you know uh, uh, a player that that you have to worry about that usually with. Um, but everybody's looking at those two spurts he was in when Temple got back in the game, and they say just don't play him anymore. I, I, to be honest with you, I find it a little bit unfair. What do you think about the Jaden Hardaway conversation at this moment? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He was. Have you looked at the plus minus from last night's game? I, I have. I have not. I have not seen it. But he's probably my. What, what is his minus? Well, let me ask you this: Where, where do you think that there was anybody who had a lower plus minus? No, no. From last night's game. No. There was actually there was actually one person who had. He was the next. He was next to last in plus minus. Jaquan Walton was minus five. Really, Jaden Hardaway was minus two, and actually Malcolm Andridge was minus one. So he's right there with Jaden. I, I, I say that to say that I I get what people are seeing. I do. I get it because he's he's not like last year. You you what he did last year. You felt like okay, well. The next year, like, there's going to be this bona fide seventh, eighth man. Like, he's going to give us something next year. He's going to give us carryover, continuity, and some decent production. I mean, he was he was not bad at all last year. But this year, there's been some – there seems to have been some regression. Uh, he missed uh, – which game did he sit out? The Wichita State game, I think he sat out with a with a hand injury or the Rice mm-hmm. game. One of those two, he sat out with an injury. There's been that. I think he's. I think that that his struggles to this point has kind of gotten in his head. Um, I, I just I don't think that. I certainly don't think that he. Like I don't agree with the people who say that he should just never play. Um, he played 11 minutes and change last night. I kind of think that's about right. I think somewhere in the eight to ten minute range is is acceptable and right. warranted. Warranted actually for Jaden Hardaway. Um, again, he wasn't he wasn't the in terms of plus minus he wasn't the worst in that game last night. Um, it just it just so happens that he do, he doesn't really he hasn't he's not really scoring the ball. Um, this year and he he's never really rebounded he's never really facilitated uh but he he, you know he's given you good defense over the years and here and there he's done it this year um so i i do understand call from mom answer it 
Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I understand where people are coming from, but I also I think it's a little bit overblown. Right. Uh for the most part. Yeah, and like he's been a steadying presence, especially last year and this year. It's just not been the case. And I get where people are coming from. But again, like I, I agree with your your sort of thought process there. 10, 11 minutes is fine for him. He's, he's shown yeah. enough over the years that he, seemingly he can give you some good minutes. Just, those good minutes have not been lately. I will say that much. Now, um, no, you're right. with all these discussions about Penny's rotations and playing 10 men and 11 men, um, I, there's, last night was sort of a giveth and taketh away type thing. Um, Jonathan Pierre, if he doesn't play these ex- like these these extended rotations, you never see Jonathan Pierre. And Jonathan Pierre definitely showed the most promise we've seen in a in a Tiger uniform. I think that there's something he can build on. Uh, he was three for four from three. Um, uh, he did have the two turnovers, and he was not great from the free throw line. But without his presence last night, that game could have gone awry. That game could have gone a completely different way. It it could have. You you could certainly make that argument. Um, I don't know. I I I I've seen a lot of people, uh, like in my mentions and in other people's mentions, saying stuff like, like like really um, grabbing a hold of what he did last night, um, right. And and really running with it. And while it's good, I, I mean, and and and, I, and again, I think it's probably the. Um, one of the bigger storylines to come out of last night's game. Uh, I, I just, I'm not, I need to see it some more. Like that was one game. Um, you know, he, he's played now, I think in, in 12 or 13 games this season, uh, he, he scored six points against Alabama state, eight points in a blowout loss to Villanova and now 10 points on the road at Temple, every other game he's played, he's either scored zero or two points. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, if if what we saw last night is sustainable and something that he can build on, and, and on top of it, if it's something that – if if moving forward, it gives him the confidence to contribute in the rebounding department and in the, uh, like, you know, getting other people involved department, then – you know, you're, this is one of those things that when you get to the end of the season, you can point back to it and be like, this is this kind of got us over the hump. Like, this guy gives us another something. Um, and, and, you know, like, it could be that. I hope it's that for Memphis's sake. I just need to see it a, a few more times uh, before I'm ready to say this is a guy who 
definitely can give you something night in and night out. Now, you wrote a story about Jonathan Pierre and him talking with Penny Hardaway and Penny Hardaway giving him the reel. It's on Commercial Appeal for those that have not seen it. But but what can you tell us about that? Um, How much do you think that sort of played a a part in what we saw last night and what we what we may see going forward? Well, I mean, we talked to Penny and uh, Jonathan separately, um, and they both kind of alluded to the same thing that you know that that Jonathan really really was was struggling to the point where he was pretty resistant to any sort of coaching, any sort of guidance, any sort of, uh, you know, anything uh, of that nature. Um, he, he felt like, you know, I did pretty good doing what I did at Nova Southeastern. You know, I was more of a perimeter guy. I handled the ball a lot more um, than, than your, you guys seem to be willing to let me do that. And I think, he, as Penny said, he got he he got in his own way. He he mm. talked himself into, you know, once he realized that that his role was going to be much different here. If he was going to contribute, his role was going to be much different. Uh, he talked he talked himself into like, well, that's not me, and I can't I can't be this other guy. I'm that that's that's not me either. Like I, that's not me. I'm this other guy, and there was this clash. There was sort of this butting of heads. Um, for much of the season, well, it's a, I mean, I don't know. If, I, I don't know whether Jonathan just took it, had an epiphany, and took it upon himself to, you know, go to Penny hat in hand and be like, "Hey, listen, I, I'm I'm sorry. Can can we, you know, like what what can we do to make this to 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 fix this? Or if you know it was like a mutual thing and they met in the middle, I, I didn't really get that." Uh, much in the way of specifics, but but they did come together, and Penny laid it uh, flat out on the table for him and said, "Listen, if you're if like you have to adjust your attitude if you are going to be successful here," and you know, Jonathan apparently uh, was receptive to that, and since he, you know, became open to coaching it has started to uh to work out in his favor it, it, apparently he had a bunch of good practices leading up to uh leading up to the game and and had some good energy uh on the trip leading up to this game and that's what got him some some extra time on the floor and he made the most of it mm-hmm. and he knocked down a three last night and pointed to penny hardaway late in that game I, and it, to see you write that story i was i do that i it's sort of uh sort of uh you know, made me think of that. It, it was not. A, it was yeah. not a surprise to see you sort of uh, uh, post that story right after that game. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, he's he's a good guy. I, I spent some time with him one on one down in the Dominican Republic last. Wait, feels like feels like it's yeah, yesterday, yeah. but it was last August. Right. Um, and you know, like you you can see why he was so successful at Nova Southeastern. Like he's a really really sharp guy, and it just. You know, in in kind of in the same way that I, I think Josh Minot got got, I think he might have been a little bit too sharp for, like you know, sometimes these these guys who are extra sharp, it it tends to work against them sometimes because um, they feel like they might know better mm-hmm. than 
the coaches and and yeah they can just get in their own head and uh and it and it, and it just fogs things up and right. uh but uh credit to credit to Jonathan Pierre for for sort of um you know seeing the light and uh coming around um now Penny said in the post game that he wants to find five to seven guys no more screwing around time um he's not giving mm-hmm. he's not giving minutes to to guys because he feels like they should get them or he he promised them and on the recruiting trail he said it's uh, he's done playing everybody and then after the game he said seven to eight guys now i think there's a very clear top six david jones nick jordan naquan tomlin javon quinterly jaquan walton malcolm dandridge who are the two or three other guys like who 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 should be in your opinion the two or three other guys that penny gives those those minutes to well uh we've got a new player entering the chat uh possibly like if you'd asked me that before yesterday I would not have said Jonathan Pierre was even close right um to being in that conversation but I kind of think now he might be um at least at least while he's you know at least while he's uh got the hot hand um you you gotta he, he I feel like he's in the conversation at least this coming Sunday um so that's seven you know I, I would say it's a toss-up for me uh, for eight between Jaden Hardaway and Jalen Young. Right. Jalen Young is is back and healthy. Um, so yeah, I mean, like that that if if that's how it plays out, uh, then you're talking about Jordan Brown, who did not play last night, um, getting squeezed, and you're talking about Ashton Hardaway and Carl Scherenfont getting squeezed. So. I mean, if Penny holds true to his word, that would—that's my guess as far as the eight slash nine guys who are going to get the the playing time. Um, we'll see. We'll see if it uh, if it sticks. My my one concern about the the Jonathan Pierre game last night is we saw Ashton Hardaway in that Michigan game earlier this year. What what was Very he true. from three? He was unbelievable from three. He had seventeen points in eighteen six, minutes. Yeah, he hit, so he, hit, I guess five threes or six threes in that game. You you just um, and, and then it didn't carry over. That's the one thing about Jonathan no. Pierre that definitely concerns you. We've seen this before with with guys that Penny has entered into the games. That is that no, you're exactly right. Um, so yeah, that's why I say I'm kind of uh, reserving. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm I don't want to get too much into forecasting right uh like what the rest of the season is going to look like for Jonathan Pierre for a variety of reasons but that's one of them uh you know I mean again you hope for his sake and you hope for Memphis's sake that um that wasn't just a a one-off type of thing um I don't I don't I, I don't think it will be uh you know if he's truly sort of turned a corner or turned over a new leaf or whatever um you, you feel like that'll help he said he said also when we talked to him last night he said um he also got some really good advice from Nick Jordan mm-hmm. so it's not like it's not like he's just only accepting input from Penny Hardaway he's also receiving being you know open and receptive to teammates and and you know that's that's encouraging if you ask me and so um but yeah it's uh Let's see what let's see what happens Sunday. Yeah. Now, last thing for you, Florida Atlantic dropped one to UAB and OT 
uh, 76, 73. I see a lot of uh, Memphis fans that are like happy about it and, you know, uh, taking victory laps, seeing FAU lose because they've become a pseudo rival, if you will, because of last year in the NCAA tournament. But that's not good. That's not good for the Tigers ultimately, right? Having FAU lose at this point in the season. You want that to be a quad one game, and the more they lose, the less likely that is. Well, I would say you definitely, if you're Memphis, the way, you know, obviously the, the four game losing streak and having four losses and all that, if you, if you have any prayer of, winning the regular season title, which let's be, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like you're talking, you're talking about the longest shots. Um, but if you are still clinging to that hope, you needed FAU to lose another game. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I don't know, uh, an overtime, a close overtime loss to, you know, a team that's not Rice doesn't <laughs> right. kill FAU uh, in terms of the, net numbers. I think they went from 25 to 28 or something. Okay. And so that would still be, if they played them at home today, that's still a quad one game. Obviously on the road would be too, but, but no, you're absolutely right. Like you, if you're Memphis, the only other losses that you really want FAU taking are to you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it wasn't super positive. Uh, you know what, but at the same time, like, yeah, you want every quad one opportunity you can get for sure. Mm-hmm. But Memphis is starting to, I mean, you know, like Clemson's now a quad one win right. for Memphis. So that's, they've got two quad one wins. If let's say VCU beats Dayton tonight, that's going to be a quad one win. Let's say Virginia wins tomorrow. That's going to be a quad one win. Right. Like, they're getting kind of close to stacking. You know, do you know how many teams that would be if that happens today and tomorrow? Right. That would give Memphis four quad one wins. There are only eleven teams currently today in the country with more quad one wins than than that than four. Right. But, uh, but, like, but that's kind of nuts. Let me. me ask you with 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 the losses that Memphis has stacked though, how much? How much does that help? Let's say they took a loss on Sunday to Tulane. Like, how much would that help? Probably not that much, oh, right? No, if you lose to Tulane, <laughs> right? If you, you, may... to Tulane, if you if you lose to anybody but SMU or FAU, maybe North Texas on the road next week, it's it's over. Yeah, I mean, it's just over. Um, I can make the argument though that it, like the two FAU games and the SMU game on the road, if Memphis goes one and two in that in the, in those games, it to me that does not eliminate them from at-large consideration. Okay. I think they're still kind of like, I don't, yeah, if they go one and two in those three games, I don't think it, I don't think it automatically takes them out of contention. Um, so, yeah, that, but you just absolutely cannot lose to East Carolina. You cannot lose to UAB again. Right. Um no, like the only the only teams you can lose to are FAU, SMU, maybe North Texas, but I doubt it because uh, they're kind of like wavering a little bit around that um, seventy five eighty net number. Um, so no, yeah, like it doesn't matter how many quad one wins you you finish with if you have another quad four slash low quad three loss. It, You're yeah, screwed. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you have yeah. to wait on the AAC tournament. 
and and play four games yeah. in four days. That's what it would be. But Jason, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining. Um, enjoy your Super Bowl this weekend. Well, yeah, I mean, as, as you're going to be covering a watch. game at one, and then you'll have maybe you'll have some time. You'll you'll be there after kickoff, yeah. but I'll I'll squeeze it in. Yeah, I got you. But appreciate it, Jason. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. That's Jason Munns, Tiger Basketball beat reporter for the Commercial Appeal. He is on X at Munsley. Now we need to go ahead and transition into the Blitz. And Merrill Hodge. Merrill Hodge is a former ESPN analyst uh, covering the NFL, former quarterback in the NFL, and he had some some pretty choice words about Caleb Williams as a prospect. I want to talk about that next right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 